The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. And I'm delighted to be joined in studio by 5,000 metre world champion Eamon Coughlin. Eamon, it's an absolute pleasure. Um, for people at home, I should say that we recorded this conversation a little bit earlier uh, in the day uh, before John Fitzsimons and Andrew Coscarin and Luke McCann and others were all out on the track. Um, so we, we won't get into the specifics uh, of their races. They've all competed by now. Uh, John in the 800 and the other two lads in the 1500. Um, but let me ask, in general, about big events like this when they're happening, I, you're still, I, I assume you still take a huge interest in it. Oh, for sure, yeah. I have my eye to the ball, pretty much, yeah. yeah, on the athletics track and field as well as many other sports, but particularly uh, the athletics, obviously, from where I've come from. And in the last number of years with Andrew coming on the scene and now Luke McCann, uh, those two in particular over the 1500 metre and mile distances, it's just brilliant to see that we have a couple of lads, you know, half a dozen, as a matter of fact, in the middle distance that are right up there um, time-wise in the world, 352, 353, 354 for a mile. Not, It's been a long time since we've had uh, Irish athletes perform at that level, so it's fantastic to see it all these years on now. Yeah, I mean, uh, Andrew, uh, and in fairness, Luke as well, like they, they, uh, they really set the world alight uh, last week. Like It was absolutely phenomenal running. Um, and people be excited to 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 see them, and and I guess the prize for them getting into a final, if they've managed to get into a final, is the likes of Jakob Ingebrigtsen and getting to race against them. I mean, when you were racing, was that a huge draw to be able to to race against the other lads who were pegged as the best in the world? Uh, well, fortunately, I was one of the best in the world that they were getting pegged to run against me, yeah. if I just preempt by saying that. But at the same time, you know, when I was a young kid coming through at 22, 23 years of age and John Walker was on the scene and John wasn't that much older than me and Philbert Bailly. Uh, Philbert had just broken the world record for the 1500 metres at the Commonwealth Games in 1974 down in Christchurch, New Zealand. And one of the epic epic runs in 1500 metre distances. So a year or so after that, when I came on the scene, yes, um, it was, oh, uh, you know, uh, the fear in you actually yeah. when you were lining up against these guys because you knew Bailly would go out in like 53 or 4 seconds. He'd run away from the field. How was I going to stick with that? Um, but it was awe-inspiring is what I was trying to really say there, uh, just to be lining up against the best, best, best guys in the world. And um, when I start getting close to them, all of a sudden it gave me a lot more confidence that maybe I can beat these guys now. And I think similar has happened actually now to Andrew and and to Luke. Uh, last week when Andrew ran 3.35 in the 1500, or 3.33, sorry, uh, the fastest 1500 metre time indoors or outdoors uh, yeah. by an Irish person, breaking the world indoor record, running faster than Ray Flynn's outdoor record. I think when he came away and Luke, who ran 3.34 also to break the record, when they came away from that race, I was just said to myself, that's the injection that these lads need now. They yeah. know they can run this fast. Now they believe they belong to be, they belong to be there, you know, in, in, right in the mix with the big guys. So here we are a week on, either they're going to be a little bit tired uh, and emotionally drained from the great run they had, or they're going to go fast forward and really now run for the medals. It's okay running for time. But we want medals and we want gold medal in particular. But if we get a silver or a bronze, we're happy campers. So I think that will give the impetus now to really believe in themselves. And if they can come away this weekend, uh, getting into the final and getting a medal, it will be fantastic. How, how, a big championship running, how much of that is 
down once 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 you're up there and once you are one of the best uh, so you've got the talent H- how much of of success then is down to that belief that you talked about an awful lot of it is they know now they can run that fast so yeah. when it comes to a championship championship race it's not a time trial anymore they're not going to go out there to try and run tactics, a fast time I mean, the rabbit won't be in there yeah. so tactics will apply so you go into the race you have all your plans in the world made and all of a sudden after one lap they're blown or maybe after three laps they're gone out the door as well so you have to be able to read a situation when you when it comes to winning races and championship races in particular because you never know what way it's going to unfold but I always was of the belief um, the most important thing to do is to get into a controlling position and a controlling position the top three four or five not let any gaps emerge between your position and those in front of you you've got to stick 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 with the leaders in the race and just get into a mantra of letting the laps you know count down eight seven six five four three two whatever it is uh, in the race and, and just believe in yourself there will be times in a championship race or any other race for that matter where you might start to start doubting yourself Mm. but you instantaneously have to remind yourself hey this is what I train my ass off for this is what I'm here for it's supposed to hurt and then you start thinking well maybe the other guys are hurting too so once you think okay the other guys are hurting then you kind of get a psychological refreshment if you like and you get back in there so you have to really play an awful lot more mind games in championship running than you do in a, in, a, in a time trial Grand Prix meeting. You know, if, if, if we were talking and say about the year two th- early 2000s and we were talking about maybe the, the, the best Irish athletes, there would have been your, yourself and John Tracy, Sonia, Ronnie Delaney would have been the names, yeah. you know, tripping off people's tongue. And then we kind of had a few years where we our, our better athletes were all running much shorter distances. You yes. know, we had, we had Derville and Paul Hessian and David Gillick and my own sister was running and, yes. and, and, and others. I mean, do you just put that down to kind of it just things come in peaks and troughs uh, and and then do you get great joy out of seeing kind of middle distance Irish middle distance runners back up there oh tremendous joy and I've been to the races for Milrose Games uh, to see the lads run I've been out on the track seeing Andrew train somewhat over the last number of years and um you'd be just wishing for them if they could just get that extra little bit of belief in themselves, you know? Either shit or get off the pot almost. Get in there and just believe in yourself and do it. Yeah, I, I, I mentioned some of the kind of shorter distance because Mark English in the last few years and Mark had to pull out today yeah. if you've heard the news. Uh, he is sick, unfortunately. Uh, so he's not going to be running. But anyway, listen, lots of people I know will be watching uh, the Athletics over the next few days and it'll all be very exciting. Like that, that competitiveness you talk about, uh, about wanting to win, was that always a characteristic you had when you were a kid before you were running were you competitive? Uh, in running uh, probably more than any other sport okay. I was playing soccer with Brian Kerr who happy birthday tomorrow Brian <laughs> uh, big milestone oh, he won't Brian want that. and I grew up together in Cooley Road and Drimmon and he's celebrating a very significant birthday B- tomorrow so Brian birthday, if you're listening happy as, birthday as, sorry a big roundy birthday <laughs> a big roundy birthday a big said, roundy yeah. birthday <laughs> but uh, you know when we were growing up as kids you know, I played Gaelic's football, soccer and so forth but I wouldn't have had the confidence in those sports to be okay. honest with you that I did when it came to athletics um, maybe around the streets of Drimna we'd be playing racing and stuff you'd, and you'd be playing all those other sports and you get stuck in but when it came to playing for Rialto <laughs> who, who's Crumlin United now yeah. uh, God there was a little bit of fear in there and a bit right. of like, intimidation in there like if you put your foot in for a ball you'd be afraid you'd break your leg or something like that but when it came to the running there was something about the running that just literally clicked from the very first day I joined Celtic Athletic Club way back in the mid to late 60s. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, there was something about running um, that I really, really liked. 
And while I did it all the way through before time I went to, say, Villanova Universities in the early 70s, it wasn't until I was there that it really clicked. And it clicked because all of a sudden I realised, well, in order to be the best in the world, you have to be the best in Villanova. Mm. So when I was mixing with the lads in college, you were training together, you were studying together, you were socialising together. It was a great fraternity. And all of a sudden, these stars like Marty LaCourty and Brian McEnroy and Kenny Shepard, who were all, uh, and John Hartnett and Donnie Walsh from, from, from Cork, when you start mixing with them, all of a sudden you begin to believe, well, hey, they're just like me. So why can't there be any better than them on the track. Yeah. So you get that belief in yourself nearly while well, you're in their company but away from the track and then when it comes to the track you say I'm just as good as them and you go on. So that's what happened I suppose for me in Villanova where getting that belief that I was as good as the guys in college meant that I was just going to be as good as the guys around the world. And was, so like initially was there a bit of like imposter syndrome? Did you kind of think what what am I doing here? Or, or, no. or you never had that no, feeling? Never, no, never ever. No, no, no. So you Very, knew you were good enough to be there but you just maybe weren't convinced you were good enough to be one of the best in the world yet was that it? Well I was probably immature going out there Okay I was only 18 years of age going to America and back in 1971 that was like going to the moon you were never going to come Yeah the world was a bigger place Bigger place different place and I remember getting off the plane in Kennedy Airport and seeing like 89 degrees Fahrenheit and I couldn't and this heat just blew you away when you get off onto the tarmac uh, in those days it was just unbelievable Um. Uh, but it was um, uh, just a different place and yeah. I was homesick, I was injured, school wasn't going well. It was just tough. So it took me a good year before I was able to eventually settle in. But mm. once I settled in, you weren't an imposter, you were part of the team. And that was the great thing in Villanova University, as it is pretty much in most of the universities in in, in America. There's tremendous camaraderie, there's a great bond, uh, you get great support from your teammates. If you're falling behind a little bit in training or even in school, it's the guys on the team are the ones who are going to give you a kick in the ass first before the coach. Yeah. So once you knew that they cared for you, you really felt wanted and very, very much part of the whole system over there. And that instilled confidence in you. And is that that's different here. There's not the same team... Uh, focus is there of of athletes in a third level here? Because you know, well, it's different. It yeah. certainly has improved. There's no question about it. Yeah. The various universities, DCU and UCD, you know, where uh, Luke McCann and Young McLeany are at school there. Yeah. And over the last 10, 15 years now, with the scholarship programs being available and all the various third level universities over here, yes, it's moving in the right direction. Yes, there is a nice team okay. atmosphere within reason. But at the same time, you've got their own individual coaches from different clubs who are advising them and that can cause conflict. Whereas yes. in America, when you go to college in Villanova University or if it's Arkansas or if it's down in Texas, um, yeah, where the, coach, the, the, the coach decides what's doing yes. and no, no other interference uh, with you. Uh, that's the way it is. Yeah. And uh, during that first year where you were struggling, did you ever think about coming home? I did, Kieran. Oh, yeah? In the dark of night. Really? Yeah. I came back in, God, would you believe it's now, uh, it was March that year of 1971. I had a slight uh, injury uh, in my quad. I wasn't really training well. Um, I was falling behind in school. I was picked to run for the Irish team in the Junior World Cross Country Championships. Yeah. I think it was in Chepstow. So I snuck out of Villanova University, as I say, in the dark of night, came home. Ran very, very poorly in the World Junior Cross yeah. Country and announced to my parents that I wasn't going to go back. And they went wow. absolutely nuts. Yeah, they went nuts. 
Uh, so anyhow, uh, to cut a long story short, I did go back because my <laughs> girlfriend, Yvonne, yeah. who's still my wife all these years later, uh, said, I'm not going out with you anymore if you don't go back to college. I'm not going to be responsible for your uh, giving up your sport and giving oh, up your you, you were using her as an example, was it? Yeah, yeah. My mother and father went to her mom and said, Mr. and Mrs. Murphy, under no circumstances is Yvonne allowed on the back of Abel's motorbike. We're not going to take responsibility. That's when Yvonne told me to get lost and go back to America. Uh, brilliant. brilliant. <laughs> So I went back, but it was when I went back and the point you alluded to earlier there was I was welcome back. Yeah. You know, because the lads saw something in me that I probably didn't see myself. And if they saw, well, then I've got to believe it. And thank God from there on, I didn't even lose a race in college after that. Yeah, you thrive because it, again... I guess it's different strokes for different folks, is it? Because it, we, we've had great underage talents who've gone off on scholarships and they find the, the, the maybe the attritional nature of, of collegiate running in the States. They find it hard mm. racing that often. Mm. And, you know, you, you don't race for a week and suddenly you're tumbling down kind of rankings and you've got to get back out there and race again. You know, and I guess just... Is it is it's just the case that some people prefer the mm. the handful of races a year and the slow build up to them? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think it's different in America than it was again all those years ago. Uh, you certainly can be running into the ground in, in the states. Um, but that was, was less always, the case then, was sorry? it? That was less the case when you were there, was uh, it? No, it was probably more the case. Oh, right, sorry. Okay. And, and the reason I say that was um, the, America will either make it or break it. Yeah. will either adopt a system or you won't adopt a system. And if you compare going to America or staying in Ireland, my attitude is, well, you don't get the same kind of... Um, influences in Ireland that you get in the States. You don't get that positive attitude in Ireland that you would get in the States. Just a generalising mm. now. Just generalising. And then you go out into the cold, damp mornings and the cold, damp evenings and you're up in the Phoenix Park. Now we have tremendous facilities in Ireland uh, track-wise, indoor track-wise, so there's no excuses uh, whatsoever. Nowadays, I think the athletes are only allowed compete, train so many times a week with the coach okay. they're only allowed compete so many times in a month so it has all to protect them yeah. rather than getting them to, to run into the ground but you'll find some of the athletes will want to run themselves into the ground yeah. because in order to be the best you've got to try and run against the guys yeah. you're training with in the school um, when uh, when there is events happening like the, the the indoors that we were talking about a few minutes ago I mean I, I, I'm sure as well it puts you in mind of your own success and sure I introduced you as, as world champion and of course the, the commentary and we, before the ad break we played a bit of the commentary for Tony O'Donoghue who passed away only a few days ago that's right just last Sunday I got news that Tony passed away very yeah. very sad I saw him recently at a funeral it's unfortunate that we're meeting I'm meeting more old friends at funerals <laughs> nowadays but uh, and he looked really well yeah. and um, when I got the news last Sunday it was very 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 sad because you know I, I, I whether it's reeling in the years or something happens and they replay Eamon Coughlin's 5000 metre in from Helsinki his commentary as I said on a tweet it still gives me goosebumps up the yeah. up my back of my neck because he captured he captured the thrill he captured the emotion he kept that I had having lost the Olympics twice in 76 and 1980 and here I was going to do something I've been promising to do all my life and yeah. he's going to become the champion of the world that was also a reflection on 
Irish track and field fans in Ireland, they were so disappointed as much as I was disappointed. The sports to uh, Tony O'Donoghue and Brendan O'Reilly and all the various people from back then, they were with, and the journalists, they were all with me on my journey yeah. throughout those years. And they were disappointed for me. So I think Tony captured that last 100 or last lap in that particular race. Yeah. So, so, so perfect that it was going to be almost like a fulfilment for what had been lost in the past. Yeah, it was it was absolutely amazing. And look, once a world champion, always a world champion. Did you, uh, once you hung up the spikes, did, did you have kind of any existential crisis? I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. You know, the way other athletes might talk about that. As in, it, this, this really defined me. And Christ, I'm not doing it anymore. What am I going to do? I was kind of lucky. And lucky from the point of view that when I did hang up my spikes, say as a 37 come 38 year old, uh, I was losing races rather than winning races. And um, I didn't like losing races at all. Okay, yeah. So I was almost punch drunk. And uh, that was it. I was missing the buzz of it. However, in terms of my work career, um, I was very much involved with uh, the Children's Medical Research Foundation in Crumlin. So I was attached to them. And then I decided what I would do. I, I came home to live in Ireland and after six months, again, with frustration, oh, what will I do with myself? I was going to go back and live in America until Michael Hawkshaw said, no, Eamon, stay in Ireland and work with us. You're on our board. We know you. You know us. And we keep it low key and we move forward. So then I said to Michael, I tell you what I'd like to try and do. I'm going to train behind the scenes nice and quietly. And I want to try and become the first person over 40 to run a sub four minute mile. Mm. No one has ever done that. Most guys are finished well into their early 30s, let alone go to their late 30s. So Michael and I, uh, he said, yep, you run to work in the morning, you can run home in the evening, but you still have to put in your (laughs) shift. (laughs) But that was a nice distraction as well, you know, because I was able to focus on work and then on the side, focus on the running. So I got two pretty good years of background training. I ran in the New York City Marathon as if you like the foundation work yeah. for that. And then the first year out, I broke the world record six or seven times, but I didn't go under four minutes and mm. I was a failure. Yeah. So the first year I ended up running four minutes in one second and again, a failure. And I came back the following year and thanks to Gerard Hartman uh, from Limerick, the yeah. physical therapist. Jer uh, was living in Florida and I went down to Florida with Jer and he worked on me two, three hours every day, six days a week. And I'd sit on an ice block the rest of the time because of an injury that yeah. I had. But he got me good and I ended up running the 358 mile. And that was the day after that race, I hung my spikes up, completely satisfied. I'm out of here. So what could have been a more difficult time to exit the sport became a very easy time because it was done on my terms. Ah, that's nice. A, a nice story. And do you know what I like about it? There's lots of people my age, about 40, Eamon, they listen to that and they, they, they'll convince themselves, Jesus, maybe I could do something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and they'll, they'll pull a hamstring going out with their yeah, Sunday plotters yeah. uh, uh, this weekend. Listen, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks like a million for nice coming in. Nice to you too. Yeah, Eamon Coughlin, 5,000 metre world champion. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from 4 on News Talk.